Support for the Cherry Picking Podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. <laughs> hey, fellas, it's time to get with the times and get with the technology that is Manscaped and their Lawnmower 2.0 tool. I've actually never used an electric trimmer before in the past. I received my Lawnmower 2.0 from Manscaped about a week or so ago, and I used it last night, and boys, I am in love. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. This tool is so perfect. It will help your manscaping issues down there. No longer will you have to use scissors. No longer will you have to use that old Gillette razor blade that you use on your face to trim your beard. To trim your balls. I'm telling you, you guys will love this tool. It's the Lawnmower 2.0 product. I got mine last week and I am in love. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. I'm telling you, it is time right now to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Fellas, I'm telling you, get your partner to get you this as a stocking stuffer, or you can even wrap it up and put it underneath the Christmas tree, but you need this tool for this holiday season. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. Fellas, it's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxer briefs because no one likes chafing down there. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't make you feel good. And why go through something like that when you don't have to? That's why you got to get the Manscaped Perfect Package. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. But cracking! Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Manscaped has also <laughs> Manscaped also has a crop preserver, which is an anti-itch chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on your smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls and your partner will thank you. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com if you use the code BIGHEADS. And I think this will be the perfect gift for you or your partner this holiday season. And I think everyone will have a very Merry Christmas and Jolly Balls. Hey everybody, this is your host Andre Cherry and you are listening to the Cherry Picking Podcast which is presented by the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned in to the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to another very special episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry. And on this episode today, I'll preview the upcoming college football national championship game between the LSU Tigers and the Clemson Tigers. So one way or another... A Tigers team is going to win the national championship game, which is set to be played on January 13th, 2020. Can you believe that? We will be in a new decade. 
in a few days here. I'm recording this on the 30th of December, and I couldn't be more excited to get into this podcast with you guys. I want to recap how these two teams got to this point, and then I also want to preview a little of the action that is forthcoming on the 13th. So I hope you guys have fun. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading my show. It's been a fun 2019 season, and we're going to cap it all off here with the national championship game to be played on the 13th of January. So let's just dive right in. But before I get into my preview of this particular matchup between LSU and Clemson, let's take a look back at how these two teams advance in the playoffs to get to this point. Let's start with LSU. The number one LSU Tigers and the number four Oklahoma Sooners met in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in the college football playoff semifinal matchup. And in this particular matchup, the Tigers put up nearly 692 total yards. I mean, the Tigers just went off from the first whistle. In the first quarter alone, they scored 21 points. Oklahoma only scored 7 points in the quarter, so they really got off to a a fast start early on in this game. Joe Burrow, the Heisman winner for LSU, threw for 21 of 27 pass attempts for a total of 403 yards and 7 touchdowns. And that was just in the first half. God damn! By the end of the game, Burrow completed 29 of his 38 passes for 493 yards and added one rushing touchdown. So Joe Burrow had eight touchdowns. He accounted for eight touchdowns in the college football playoff game against Oklahoma, who was the number four ranked team in the nation, the number four best team in the nation. Joe Burrow and his LSU Tigers beat up on Oklahoma by a score of 63-28. to 28. That's just unfair, man. That, that's just too much offense. Great defense. I mean, everybody's pointing out the fact that LSU had all these points, but the defense to limit Oklahoma, which is an explosive offense in its own right, was only held to 28 points. They only scored seven points each quarter of this game. That's an impressive feat, and I think you know the defense needs to get a lot of credit as well. So I want to talk about just some some history making that was set in this matchup between Oklahoma and LSU at the hands of the LSU Tigers, and in most particular, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had eight total touchdowns in this game, which was a record. He had the most passing touchdowns in a college football playoff game at seven. Joe Burrow set an LSU record for the most passing touchdowns in a game. He set a Peach Bowl record for most passing touchdowns. Joe Burrow tied the record for most passing touchdowns in a bowl game. He tied the FBS record for most passing touchdowns in a half. He had the most total touchdowns all time in a bowl game. Jordan Jefferson, his wide receiver, had the most receiving yards in a college football playoff game at 227 yards, and he had four touchdowns himself. Joe Burrow had the most individual touchdowns all time in an SEC game. Points in a college football playoff half. The LSU Tigers had 49 points in the first half alone. Points in a college football playoff game at 63. Joe Burrow also helped kicker Cade York make the most extra points in the college football playoff semifinal. So LSU has been on such a historical run this entire season. Joe Burrow himself has been on an historical run. I told you at the top that he won the Heisman Trophy. Um, He's had such a great season. This dude's been balling out. 
And I'll be really curious to see if they keep some of that magic for the national championship game against Clemson. Uh, you know, I have no reason to believe that they won't have that same magic or won't compete at that same level of intensity and consistency. But I'm I'm just so excited to see it actually happen. LSU is a team who I predicted in the preseason to make it to the college football playoffs. They face another team that I predicted to get there as well in Oklahoma. So I'm excited that LSU, a team that I predicted in the preseason, will have an opportunity to play in the championship game against Clemson. The third team who I predicted to make it to the playoffs, and they are now in a position to win the national championship, hopefully, if you're a Clemson Tigers fan. So these are teams that I predicted in the preseason to, to be here. So I'm I'm relieved, I'm thrilled that I actually get to see this play out. And I, I'm excited to see what happens, honestly. And LSU is a team that has surprised a lot of folks from an offensive standpoint because we haven't seen this level of intensity. We haven't seen this level of production uh, from LSU in years past. But Joe Burrow has put it all together, and this team is balling out. This is one of the best teams this season. This is one of the better teams in college football history. If you look back at it, assuming that they win the national championship game on the 13th, this team will be remembered for being so dominant this season. Now, I know Oklahoma has lost the college football semifinal game yet again, but I do want to mention, impressively enough, Oklahoma has made it to the college football playoffs four times within the six years that the tournament has been in existence. However, the Sooners and the Big 12, in fact, have not won a game in the playoffs yet. So the Big 12 is winless in the tournament's history. And <clears throat> you you can't count Oklahoma out next season. Certainly Jalen Hurts will be gone, and that's a huge blow to that team. This is a guy that put up Heisman-esque numbers in his own right. But now it's uh, looking forward at, at what's next. Who is the next guy up? I think they have a freshman quarterback on the roster right now who may get that nod to be the starter. But if you look at the last three seasons, they've had some some really impressive players at quarterback the last three seasons. Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. Those are some all-time great college football quarterbacks. And Oklahoma has had the fortune of having these guys start one after another for the last three seasons. A lot of programs can't say that they have had that type of caliber player at quarterback in their entire program history. You know, you're lucky enough if you get maybe one or two or a handful within a program's entire history. But the fact that you've had players of that caliber start for you each season for the last three years is something special. And I don't know that we'll ever see that ever again, honestly. And so I'm really excited to see what happens in the Big 12 now because it's it's almost like the gap is closing in the Big 12, honestly. Matt Rule is doing some exciting things down there at Baylor. Iowa State has played at a high level this season. And certainly Texas will be in the mix next season, I'm sure. West Virginia may come back as well. So I think the gap is closing. But if any team is capable of making it back to the playoffs... It's Oklahoma, and you can never count Oklahoma out. They are going to do some some special things again, I'm sure, in the near future. It'll just be a, a matter of time to see what that looks like. And, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, Oklahoma will be that team from the Big 12 that will finally get a victory in the college football playoffs. 
I guess only time will tell, but we, we shall see. As I mentioned earlier, LSU's defense was able to slow down the Oklahoma offense to only 322 total yards, which is worth noting because the Sooners averaged 554.2 yards this entire season. So that's something really special, really remarkable, that LSU was able to corral the Sooners' offense because Oklahoma has been explosive all season long. Jalen Hurts has been Superman for Oklahoma. So that was no small feat uh, that they completed. And so hats off to the LSU defense because that's such a remarkable job. Now, if we transition on from this game, that was the the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl college football playoff semifinal matchup. Let's now transition into the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl college football playoff semifinal game between number two, Ohio State, and number three, Clemson. This one seemed to be one-sided at the start of this game as Ohio State jumped out to a 10-0 lead after the first quarter, and then it was 16-0, I believe, at one point in the in the first half, and it looked like Ohio State was going to run away with this. Literally, on the feet of J.K. Dobbins, who ran for a total of 174 yards, including two 60-yarders in the first half. Uh, he was slowed in the second quarter, though, with, with a twisted left ankle, he looked like he was hobbling. He hobbled off to the locker room and they retaped it, but where he came back in the game later on. But J.K. Dobbins was a beast and he looked like he single-handedly was going to win the game for Ohio State. And I tweeted out at several points during the first half, you know, Clemson better wake up. You know, I know Clemson is capable of of coming back in games. They've done that this season, um, most notably against North Carolina. But a team against Ohio State who's just been loaded and balanced all season long, a 16-0 lead smelled like it was ball game early on, honestly. And so I was excited. This was more more of a game than the first matchup between LSU and Oklahoma, sadly. But I was excited. I was fully invested in this matchup. I watched it from first whistle to the last whistle. In this matchup, Clemson had a third and five with just under five minutes remaining in the first half. They were down 16 to nothing to Ohio State. Trevor Lawrence got sacked on the play for a 10-yard loss, which would have made it fourth and 15, which would have forced a punt. Instead, defender Sean Wade was called for targeting and ejected in this matchup. Sean Wade led with the crown of his helmet, and he was making a tackle on Trevor Lawrence. And a lot of people are arguing the fact that Trevor Lawrence ducked his body down. He ducked his body down, and the fact that he ducked was the reason why Sean Wade's helmet hit Trevor Lawrence's helmet and eventually led to a targeting call and ejected Sean Wade from the game. Now, as you can already imagine, a lot of Big Ten fans and Ohio State fans were upset with that call and that decision, which led to Sean Wade's ejection. But I don't know why they, why are you so mad about that? That's the rule. That is the rule. He led with the crown of his helmet and hit Trevor Lawrence in his helmet. I've seen situations like that all season long where a running back or the, the ball carrier or wide receiver catches the, the ball and goes down and the defender hits their helmet uh, to the other opponent's helmet and makes contact. That by the rule is targeting. You are ejected. And just because Trevor Lawrence dipped down doesn't mean that Sean Wade is any less guilty. He hit his helmet to Trevor Lawrence's helmet and he's ejected. A lot of people were crying foul about that call and and 
Certainly, it was a big momentum shift. I'll give you that. But make a clean tackle. Make a clean tackle. Keep your head up, wrap up, and bring him down. It w- that would have been a, a beautiful sack. And it would have put Clemson in a fourth down situation, fourth and long, and they would have had to punt. The score was 16 nothing at that point. But due to the targeting call, Clemson got a new set of downs and eventually scored on that down, on that series of downs. So, you know, you only have yourself to blame for putting yourself in that situation. I'm not going to say that the refs made a bad call on that situation or on that play, but it is what it is. You, If you target someone with your helmet, you are going to get ejected, no matter if it's uh, a non-conference game at the beginning of the season or a college football playoff semifinal game, as we've seen here in this matchup between Clemson and Ohio State. So that was a huge call. That targeting call eventually gave Clemson 15 yards and a first down because it was a personal foul, and it put... Clemson at Ohio State's 30-yard line. The Tigers would end up scoring a touchdown on the possession for their first points of the game. They also followed that up with the stop of Ohio State and a second touchdown, making it 16-14 at the end of the first half. And as the teams were going into the locker room at halftime, score 16-14, Ohio State had the two-point lead over Clemson. Something that really stuck with me was the comments that Ryan Day made and Ryan Day is the coach of Ohio State. He had some halftime comments that he made in regards to the swing of the game. And it just really stuck with me because, well, let me read it to you first and then I'll, I'll tell you why it stuck with me. So, and, and I quote, this is from Ryan Day, and I quote, You talk about a change of events when they threw Sean out of the game. I have not seen that, Day said in his halftime interview. You talk about a change of the game. He's out of the game. It's 4th and 15. They get the first down and score. That was a huge change, but that's behind us, end quote. And something that just stuck out with me was the fact that that sounds a lot like what a loser would sound like. You know what I mean? It's like someone that isn't able to take control of their own situation and, and try to move ahead. They dwell on things that happened in the past. And he said it at the end that, you know, that's behind us and we'll move forward. But the fact that he led off that interview with this is what happened in the game. This is what changed the momentum of the game. And that was huge. They threw him They threw him out of the game, meaning the refs threw him out of the game. That was within the refs' control. They threw him out. No, that was within Sean's control. Sean targeted Trevor Lawrence and got thrown out of the game. You need to deal with the reality as it stands. He's out. What are you going to do to adjust? You have an opportunity. You're still up two points at the at the half. Come out in the second half and have that same enthusiasm, that same intensity that you had in the first half and go out and win this game. Losers dwell on what happened to them in the past. It, it's ha- it happened. Move on. Why would you start your interview with that line of thinking? You should be you should be thinking, you know what, we have an opportunity in the second half to get after it. Our team's going to attack the same way we did in the first half. Uh, offensively, you know, we're going to try to run the ball like we did so well in the first half. Like, I, I want to hear th- those types of comments from your head coach at halftime. I don't want to hear some excuse why you're down or why you're in this position and why the momentum changed. I want to hear about what you're going to do to win the second half. And losers dwell in the past. And I saw a lot of that on Twitter from Ohio State fans the entire rest of the game. The fact that, oh, a targeting call was the reason why we lost this game 
or a targeting call is the reason why Clemson was in this position. No, the reason Clemson won this game is because they adjusted. They adjusted to what you were showing them in the first half, and they came out with a different effort, different look, and they won the game. Hats off to Dabo Sweeney and that entire coaching staff for making the adjustments and for doing what was necessary to win the game. But losers dwell on the pass and what happened. You have to make the most of the opportunity that's in front of you. You control your own destiny. Only worry about what you can control. And it really stuck with me because that's what a loser sounds like. And that's just, that's my opinion on that. And that's my thought. But I, I just, it, it really rubbed me the wrong way when I when I heard that from Ryan Day. And then in the third quarter, the Buckeye shot themselves in the foot again with a roughing the punter call, which eventually led to Clemson taking its first lead of the game. So Ohio State didn't do themselves any favors in this game with some of the personal personal fouls um, and the penalties. But again, you only have yourself to blame for that. You can't blame a ref or an official for that. In the third quarter, though, it did look as if Ohio State would regain the lead when All-American Jeff Okuda stripped Clemson's Justin Ross and Jordan Fuller scooped and scored for a touchdown. However, a video review ruled Ross had not completed the catch and turned a touchdown into an incomplete pass. This one was a really controversial play, and I actually don't know I don't know where I stand on this issue or on this ruling. In fast time or real time, it looked as if Clemson's receiver, Justin Ross, didn't make a complete catch. And it looked in real time as if it was an incomplete pass. However, when you look at the replay and you and you slow it down, it looks as if Ross is able to catch the catch the pass and he's able to make, I think, four steps with, with the ball in his possession before Jeff Okuda strips Ross and the ball you know, lands on the ground and Ohio State is able to scoop and score for a touchdown. That was a really controversial play. Uh, the ref who was working the game for ESPN gave his initial take on, on, the, on the call. It was ruled a touchdown initially, but the official who was in the booth for ESPN said that he would call it um, an incomplete pass. And that was uh, really probably the, the the most pivotal point in the game was that, that call to reverse the touchdown based upon video evidence or lack thereof that it wasn't a completed catch by Clemson. I, I don't I don't know that if I have a strong opinion on that. I mean, I, I honestly, in real time, it looked like it wasn't a catch. But in replay... That was a catch on replay, and I don't, I don't know what the official saw to overturn that or overrule the decision that that was a touchdown, but that was probably the most pivotal point in the game, and it gave Clemson all the momentum from that point on. So I wanted to call that out because I know there's a lot of uh, uh, discussion about that, and I don't know if any sort of rule change will come in the postseason, but that was a pivotal point in the game, and that really... I think in my mind, swung the momentum back to Clemson, honestly. But as I mentioned in this matchup, those penalties did Ohio State in, and then two interceptions were thrown by Justin Fields in this game. And it's surprising because Justin Fields only threw one interception during the entire regular season. So the fact that Clemson was able to force two interceptions on a guy that normally doesn't throw interceptions, hats off to Clemson's defense. I mean, you did a remarkable job against an offense that looked like one of the best all season long next to LSU. So 
Hats off to Clemson. They are now in the championship game against LSU. And I know a lot of folks are still upset, still sour that Ohio State is not going to be playing in the championship game against the LSU Tigers. But I want to know, what if Ohio State faced Oklahoma in the semifinals matchup and Clemson faced LSU? I know a lot of folks thought Ohio State should have been number one. They should have been the number one ranked team in in all of college football. So they would have had that opportunity to play Oklahoma. And I don't want to be—I don't want to play a game of shoulda, coulda, woulda. But I'm just curious: would the game be closer if those two teams met in the semifinals? And would Ohio State win, or would would Oklahoma win? Or do you think it would be a blowout by either either team? I don't know. I re- I really don't know. And I'm just—I'm curious to see what that game would have looked like. I think that could have been a, a good game. I mean, certainly Ohio State versus Clemson was a good game, and it looked like for for much of that game, Ohio State was going to win against Clemson. And even though it was sixteen nothing at the first half or at, at, in the first half before halftime, I thought the lead was really more like twenty eight nothing. Like it could have been, it could have been a lot worse than it was. Clemson is lucky that it was only sixteen nothing at that point in the first half, and they were able to come back after the Trevor Lawrence targeting call. But I'm really curious to to know if Ohio State versus Oklahoma would have been a better game or would have had a, a different outcome for the Buckeyes. What do you guys think? Don't go anywhere. After this short break, I'll preview the upcoming national championship game between Clemson and LSU, and then I'll give my game time prediction. Don't go anywhere, guys. I'll be right back. I'm Kyle. This is Steven. Together, we host a show called Boy Meets World. Tell them what we cover on Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World. But that's not all, is it? No. Now we cover life experiences. Ours. Oh, son of a <laughs> Just check out the show, please. We really, <laughs> we really need it. Okay, we need a win. Just check us out. We talk about the show Boy Meets World. Each episode of our show, we run parallel for an episode of Boy Meets World, where we will examine the show. That's way too much. What happens? You know, our life, how it relates to it, experiences. I can't believe you're still. I am recording. This. <laughs> check it out, guys. You'll get some hilarious stories from me and Steven from our childhood. You'll get a great... (laughs) Ah, I lost it. Hey guys and gals, welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host Andre Cherry. And before the break, I recapped the action between the college football playoff semifinal matchups between Oklahoma and LSU and Clemson and Ohio State. Now I want to give a little preview of the upcoming national championship game between LSU and Clemson. If you can believe it or not, the Clemson Tigers and LSU Tigers will meet for the first time since the 2012 Chick-fil-A Bowl, where Clemson won that contest by one point, by a score of 25-24. to 24. Now under Coach Ogeron, LSU is 15-2 versus non-conference opponents. The LSU Tigers have won their last 10 non-SEC games under Coach O. Clemson will be the third top 10 non-conference opponent LSU faces this season. During the championship game against Clemson, LSU will have faced its seventh top 10 opponent this season, which is the most top 10 games in a season. LSU is 6-0 this season against top 10 teams, and they've won seven straight and 10 of their last 11 against teams ranked in the top 10. LSU is 11-3 against top 10 teams under Coach Ed Ogeron. Now, if we look at Clemson, 
Clemson enters the national championship matchup having scored the fourth most points of any team in FBS this season at 45.3 points per game while limiting its opponents to only 11.5 points this season. In Clemson's semifinal game against Ohio State, the Buckeyes went over that average in the second quarter. However, the Tigers' defense made the necessary adjustments in the second half and were able to limit the potent Buckeyes' offense to only 7 points for the rest of the second half. LSU enters this matchup scoring the most points in college football with 48.9 points per game. The LSU Tigers have outscored its opponents 684 to 303 points this entire season. LSU faces a Clemson team which boasts a total offense and total defense that are both within the top five nationally. Clemson has a 111-15 to record since starting its current stretch of 10 win seasons in 2011. Only Alabama has more wins at 113 compared to 12 losses. The Tigers also have the second highest winning percentage in that same time frame. So these two teams, man, this is going to be one for the record books. I tell you that. It's going to be a fun matchup for the national championship game between the LSU Tigers and the Clemson Tigers. I was on Twitter and uh, this young lady, Casey Smith, you may know her from Barstool Sports. She said, and I quote, Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence in New Orleans injected directly into my college football loving veins, end quote. And I uh, retweeted it back and responded saying, you know, I I don't know that I need to go that far to inject this into my veins because that's pretty extreme. I I live in North Philly. I could go literally 10 blocks north and find people passed out from drugs, from injecting uh, heroin and and doing meth out on the streets 10 blocks north from here. So like, I don't know that I want to go that far to say you need to inject football into my veins cuz like what would that look like? What would what would that look like? I need it. Would that give you the high that you want? I don't know that I want that type of high. I don't know that I need that type of high. I certainly want to consume this by watching it, but to go that far and inject it, I don't need that. I don't need all that, but I like the enthusiasm. I like that she likes college football. I love it, just like everybody else, but I don't need to inject that because I don't know that that would be good. Probably not healthy. Anyways, moving on here. So I want to talk about some tidbits, just some random tidbits to get uh, to get you going while you're watching this game. And uh, I'm going to throw these stats out there. Do with them what you will. But I, I just found these stats to be pretty interesting. And so the first tidbit here, Joe Burrow has a completion percentage of 77.6, which is first in the country. And it's on pace to break the NCAA record of 76.7 set by Texas quarterback Colt McCoy in 2008. Joe Burrow has also thrown for 55 touchdown passes in 2019. Burrow set the school record for touchdown passes in a season against Mississippi State with 29. He also passed Missouri's Drew Locke for the SEC record. Another stat, LSU hasn't trailed in 25 consecutive quarters, which is a streak that dates back to the third quarter of the Auburn game on October 26th. Overall, LSU has trailed only four times all season and never in the fourth quarter. LSU has scored points in 53 of a possible 56 quarters in 2019. LSU has won nine straight in domed venues dating back to a 37-27 season opening victory over TCU in AT&T Stadium 
2013. All time, LSU is 33-8 and in domed stadiums. If we look at Clemson, Clemson enters this matchup against LSU, riding a 29-game win streak dating back to the 2018 season opener. Clemson ended the second longest winning streak, which was 19 games long, against Ohio State during the semifinal matchup. LSU now owns the second longest active win streak at 15 games. So one way or another, someone is going to have their streak ended uh, this upcoming championship game on the 13th of January. So curious to see who it'll be. Uh, the championship game will represent Clemson's eighth, ninth game of the season. Clemson is 31-3 and in night games since 2015, including victories in each of its last 13 night games since the start of the 2018 season. So those are just some random factoids that I wanted to share with you guys while you're watching this game. I think LSU is going to just run away with this, honestly. My prediction for the game, LSU 32, Clemson 20. I think if Clemson is going to going to have a shot at winning this game, they're going to have to play very well from the start of the game. From the first whistle, they're going to have to go. They can't they can't fall behind like they did against Ohio State in the semifinal matchup because a more talented team, which is LSU, will capitalize on that and as we saw in their game against Oklahoma, they didn't release off the the gun. I mean, they just kept going and they kept scoring. Joe Burrow threw seven touchdowns in the first half against Oklahoma. What do you think they'll do to Clemson if they have that same opportunity? They're going to keep scoring. They're going to keep going. And it's going to be relentless. And Clemson has a very great defense. They have a very great offense ranked nationally within the top five. They have an opportunity to run with LSU in this game. They belong in this matchup. They just can't have a slow start. Because if they do... They will get behind in this game, and it'll be hard to come back. They got very lucky. They got very fortunate that they woke up in time to beat Ohio State. But I think LSU has been the best team all season long. And if Clemson wants to win this game, they're going to have to go from the first whistle. And to that point, if Clemson's going to win this game, they're going to have to find a way to control control Joe Burrow. They're going to have to get this guy into throwing interceptions. I think he's only thrown five all season, but he's thrown 55 touchdown passes. That's impressive, man. That is unheard of. Joe Burrow is playing like a future college football Hall of Famer, and in order for them to have a shot at this game, they're going to have to limit his production. They're going to have to get Joe Burrow to make some mistakes. And good luck. That's going to be no easy feat. But if they're going to win this game, they have to do that. And I think they have an opportunity to win this game if they do that. By comparison, LSU, just do what you've done, honestly. You've looked impressive all season long. Your defense has played at a high level. Joe Burrow has been playing at a Superman-like level. And if they can just continue to have that same production in this game against Clemson, they will win this game. And by all intents and purposes, this is a home game for LSU. They're playing in New Orleans they have an opportunity to win this game in front of their hometown fans, essentially. I, I think it's going to be pretty tough for Clemson to win, but if they do the things that I mentioned just previously, they'll have a shot. They will. The 2020 College Football Playoff National Championship game will be played on Monday, January 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. This game will be broadcast nationally on ESPN. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast episode. This will officially be my last podcast of 2019. 
So I want, to, I want to wish you all a safe and happy New Year's. Be safe out there. If you're going to go out for New Year's, just uh, New Year's Eve, just make sure you have a, a driver to take you home in the form of Uber or Lyft or taxi. Don't drink and drive. Please be safe. I want you guys to have fun watching college football this entire holiday season. And I want to talk to you guys again soon. So please be safe. Have fun this New Year's Eve. I can't wait to talk to you on the other side of 2020. And I look forward to continuing to churn out more college football content next year. So thank you. And I appreciate you guys rocking with me these past couple seasons. I greatly appreciate the support. Have fun this New Year's Eve. And I cannot wait to talk to you guys again soon. Enjoy the national championship game, folks. LSU versus Clemson. I'm taking LSU. I'll talk to you guys. Take care. Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence in New Orleans. Inject it directly into my college football loving veins. I need it. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com and if you are looking to interact with me via social media my twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin that's p-i-c-k-i-n on my twitter you'll also find a link to my blog where i post my weekly college football predictions and analysis i can also be reached via email at cherrypickingsports at gmail.com please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.